0: So excited to be here with Mick Hollison, the president of Cloudera. Mick, thank you for joining. I'm so excited to jump into this conversation with you.
1: You bet, Tanya. I'm happy uh, happy to join as well.
0: So let me start with a nice softball question. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Cloudera if they're not already incredibly happy customers?
1: Sure. Uh, At Cloudera, we have a pretty straightforward mission. Uh, We hope to make data and analytics easy for everyone. Um, That sounds uh, like motherhood and apple pie on the surface, but very, very difficult to do, especially for our clients. Uh, We service some of the largest customers in the world for their data and analytics needs. And we're often not the out in front company that you might hear of. Uh, in, in the front end of a conversation, but we're behind some, uh, transactions and, and things that happen in everyday business that all of us interact with on a day to day when you. Talk to your smartphone in some way, shape, or form. You may very well be talking to Cloudera on the back end. Or when you one, uh, if you've ever wondered how a credit card swipe, um, you know, turned into a phone call from your bank asking you why you were buying a TV in Bangalore that day when you've never bought a TV in Bangalore, the algorithm that figured out that sort of fraud detection very likely could have been Cloudera. So we're behind a lot of things all of us touch each and every day that relate to big data and analytics uh, challenges for large businesses. Uh, But you might not always see us. So we're, uh, we're kind of the story behind the story in that sense, Tanya.
0: Well, and I mean, speaking of the story, the story has certainly changed a lot in the last 18 months. Can you talk a little bit about um, how you've approached innovation at your company and in your role with so much changing and with so much, you know, still kind of uncertain, right?
1: Yeah, you bet, Tanya. Um, No doubt everyone's uh, world and life has been uh, turned upside down in the past 18 months and in the wake of the unfortunately still ongoing um, as of today's recording pandemic. And it's forced everybody to think a lot differently about innovation because innovation has always been something that seems like it worked best when human beings got together, got that opportunity to physically whiteboard on something and bounce ideas off of one another and uh, and the like. And the reality of the matter is that uh, today, you know, we're not always doing it that way. And every organization had to get smarter about how it used collaborative tools like the one that we're using, uh right this minute. And we also had to figure out a better way to train people to engage folks. Not everybody engages quite as easily in this virtual format as they do in person. And when it comes to innovation, that interaction, that human back and forth is critically important. So I know at Cloudera, we spent a great deal of time and energy trying to train our employees for how to interact, how to collaborate in this brave new world. We introduced some new tools, of course, but the tools without the human uh, interface and without the training that comes along with them only goes so far. So we're uh, uh, we're still learning like every other company in the world about how to get better at this during these crazy and wild times, but uh, we continue to make improvements, Tanya.
0: And um, and I mean, a lot of what you're talking about are also uh, their sort of leadership and, you know, to some degree, their self-management and, of course, people management. What have you learned about leadership, um, you know, in, in making these adjustments? And what do you think uh, you perhaps wouldn't have learned but for what, what the world has just been through?
1: I think one of the biggest things I've learned, Tanya, is, um, it is the importance of ongoing and very frequent communications. And it's more important than ever before now. When I had the opportunity, especially with my direct leadership team, to literally walk the halls and engage with not just them, but the, the extended team, it, it created a great degree of sort of Uh, a collegial environment, a collaborative environment that sort of just naturally happened. I've now found I have to do a lot more both one way, uh, interactions through things like Zoom, through more email communications, more Slacks, uh, more chats, more just about everything. But I'm doing a lot more of it than it felt like I was doing in a face to face sort of physically oriented, uh, world. So I think probably what I've learned is the importance of more frequent communications, uh, and doing them over more channels. I think I kind of took for granted probably when I was walking around physically uh, how how well I was able to communicate things in that format. And I've had to learn the old dogs had to learn some new tricks here for a multitude of different ways to communicate with people that maybe internalize information differently. Some folks I just get them on the phone and that's just, that's plenty and that's best. Others, I've got to have the, the, at least the zoom level of, uh, of interface and yet others, they, they just want me to slack or text them. Uh, so, you know, bottom line is I've, I've had to reach out through a variety of new channels.
0: Yeah, that, it's uh, and and I think it's it's still definitely not sorted, right? It's like everyone feels like they're still getting it just a little bit wrong.
1: For sure, the one thing I would also say, Tony, that I've definitely learned in speaking of all those channels of communication and having them going on and on and off, that the human brain was not designed to look at fifty faces at once, um, because. It can't process that much information. And that's why all of us find that kind of mid afternoon, you know, you're just, you're exhausted. And so, I have personally moved to a mode where I do at least half of my uh, of my conferences in a given day, my meetings at any given day. I go to audio only because I just, my brain gets video overload from all the feedback that's happening because most of mine aren't just one-to-ones yeah. know, with many people. And as a result, it just, you know, my, my brain's worn out by two, three o'clock in the afternoon unless... I uh, intersperse some some more audio only, so at least for me, maybe for some of your viewers, i found that to be a a helpful way of sort of lining up my days.
0: Well, and a, a related, unrelated sort of follow on to that point, um, when you describe walking the halls, uh, you, you describe it with a certain like it feels energizing to me the way that you talk about it where do you get your energy from when you're not sort of able to have that you know have that sort of vibe and and that experience
1: it's a great it's a great question it's very true and i do find that i i gain my personality style i gain energy i'm an extrovert so i gain energy yeah. through <laughs> interactions with groups and other people and i kind of lose it when i'm not including when i'm on zoom but it's important that i be energetic and 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 passionate as a leader and so what i have found on that front is just like I um, now mix audio only and, uh, and video, I also mix in exercise throughout my day and physically getting outside. So for me, uh, if you were to look in the other other corner here, you'd see a very happy, beautiful little sheepoo um, a dog in the corner. Uh, Ace is over there snoozing right now in my home office with me. But I get Ace out two or three times a day to walk in the in, in the sunlight and just to get my heart rate up and to get my energy level up and I find getting some level of exercise whether it's intense or it's l- lightweight like taking your dog for a walk but if you don't leave that home office environment and you're just sitting in the exact same you know box all day long it's really hard to get that energy so I find for me getting the physical exercise is is critical Tanya
0: yeah, that's, that's a that's a it's a great point. And it's it's funny. It's like I feel like the conversations of balance were never more top of mind than uh, than today, where it really is at the center of everything.
1: The other wonderful part is Ace is always happy to see me. My uh, <laughs> my, my, my employees are usually happy. <laughs> well, that
0: depends on the day. Right? <laughs> So switching gears a little, um, you know, a lot of the theme for what we talk about here on CMO Pulse is around um, the use of insights and data, and how you sort of balance um, making decisions with data with making decisions based on gut or just based on ideas. Can you talk about where you sit on that continuum and sort of how you typically, you know, uh, gather the confidence and the momentum to really make big decisions at Cloudera?
1: Yeah, Tanya, I I would say, first of all, you may have looked at a variety of different sort of decision-making styles. So much like there are personality frameworks like a Myers-Briggs or those kind of things, there are similar frameworks that are out there for decision-making. I tend to be a conceptual thinker, which is a little bit of a blend of the intuitive side and those that need data to make their decisions. So, um, and interestingly, if I look back on my life a little bit, I'm one of the few people that on those kind of standardized tests, I'm sort of right down the middle. My right brain and left brain are about equally powerful, I guess I would say. And many people, one side's a little stronger than the other. So I need both the data to make the decision Um, as well as I do apply a degree, uh, uh, you know, I guess, of experiential um, intuition to everything as well. But if you ever want to study a little bit about this, Tanya, I'd make a great book recommendation to all of your viewers here. If you haven't read um, Blink by Malcolm Gladwell, you certainly should, because even intuition is effectively based on a whole bunch of experiences. It's just that your brain is making the decision at kind of lightning speed. But don't be confused that your brain's not also using data in in making those intuitive decisions. But as you might guess, to bring it back to kind of the core a little bit here, at Cloudera, we really believe in the importance of data-driven decision-making. And we think that it's critically important that uh, the companies, large and small, and heck, just humans in general, be able to make the most informed decisions they possibly can with accurate and up-to-date data. And um, without turning this into a commercial in any way, shape, or form, one of the great things about the Cloudera Data Platform is that it enables customers to work with massive sets of data, which are necessary to do anything machine learning oriented. The bigger the data set, the more likely you are to end up with a, with a good and a logical uh, outcome. And we're really, really good at looking at and working with very large data sets and very heterogeneous types of data. So meaning both data that's at mo- in motion and data that's at rest. So high speed transactional data, as well as data that may only be processed every day or two or week or two for for that matter. And if you can pull together um, kind of the hybrid of those two different data formats um, and be able to perform analytics on those data sets very, very rapidly, then you can be a more data-driven organization and make better decisions than you would otherwise. And every organization needs to do that.
0: Absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk a little more now about you and your career and just sort of how, how you've evolved as a leader over the years. Um, if you were to look back and pinpoint, you know, the most or one of the most influential turning points of your career, Mick, what would that, point B and how has that brought you to where you are today?
1: Wow. Um, There are many, uh, as you might imagine, and uh, and, and all of them involve uh, great people. Uh, And I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of terrific leaders along the way. But if I probably have to look back at the most seminal moment, it would be when I made the decision to leave um, uh, being in a a sales pattern uh, entirely um, uh, and making a move uh, into marketing and product. And I've, you know, at this point, I've done all of the above. I've been in sales, I've been in marketing, I've been in product and product management uh, before. And I'm thankful for every step along the way. But the decision to not just continue down one functional part of the business was probably the biggest decision that I made in uh, my career. It was a decision that actually took me backwards from a compensation and a pay perspective, not an easy decision or thing to do at any stage in your career. And yet I look back on it as probably being the single most important decision I made because As I tell people in my own organization all the time, there's rarely such a thing as a career ladder. It's usually more like a career lattice. Um, And going back and forth is every bit as important across different functions or areas of the business. It's every bit as important as taking a step up in the organization. So I feel like I'm capable of being a much Better thinker, a much broader thinker, as a result of having done work in a variety of different functions uh, in the business. Than if I had just stayed, you know, on one discrete path. Nothing wrong with staying on one discrete path either. Uh, I'm not uh, arguing against it. But if your aspirations are to continue to move up in an organization, I- I'd ask you to really seriously consider moving across a couple times as your pathway to move up. Uh, so that would be how I'd capture that for you, Tanya.
0: And how did you, cause it, it sounds, it sounds good in theory, but in practice, you point out like, Hey, I'm maybe not going to get paid as much. People are going to look at me and be like, Brooke, what are you doing? How you did doing? you get over that hurdle? And how did you know that this was like the right time to sort of make a more lateral move and take a risk?
1: Yeah, I, it's a great question again, and I would say a couple of things. One, I had a number of other mentors of me. I had the great fortune of having uh, two or three points in my career where I served as the chief of staff to a CEO of a major company. And in every instance, they all had a career lattice. Every one of them said, you're going to benefit so much Mick, from going and learning about this other discipline, this other part of the business. So I had the benefit of guidance, like I just try to provide your viewers coming through, not just through one of them, but from, a, from multiple of them. So On top of that, I would say, look, uh, you know, at home, uh, I was married at the time. I had the most supportive and amazing uh, person in my life who I'm still uh, proud to be with 28 years later. And, you know, her contribution and willingness to go on that journey with me. Um, Is something that I'll never forget. So, you know, having support from whether it's a friend or a partner or whoever it happens to be um, is critically important. So I had support from not only my mentors and my bosses, but I had that support at home. And that gives you all the confidence, at least in my case, gave me all the confidence I needed to take the big leap.
0: Well, and it's, and it's, the the big leaps have continued as I look across your career. And I know, I think it was just quite recently, you, uh, you know, you became president of Cloudera, which must, must have been a big um, sort of jump in remit. One of the themes that has come up in many of the conversations I've been having have been around rethinking what's possible, right? So, you know, when we talk about the pandemic, we talk about, what we couldn't do and what had to change. And, you know, a lot of people had budget cuts and things, but I'd love to hone in on like, how did the pandemic and what the world has gone through um, help you rethink things that you might have thought were impossible or that you couldn't do a certain way or couldn't achieve um, a certain way? Um, And what, what has that been like for you? You know, I guess for the business, but even for you personally.
1: Yeah. I I think um, for the business, I would say it has been surprisingly, um, we we adapted quite well, quite fast and quite easily. Personally, it was harder. Uh, So I'll, I'll tell a little bit about both. On the professional side and at Cloudera, a couple things. One, look, we're a software company, we're in high tech. We already had all the tools or most of the tools that would be needed. The transition was shockingly straightforward. Now, we had some big things to deal with. We had expensive real estate assets that maybe we didn't need as much of. We had to deal with, you know, how would we do a briefing for a customer when we used to fly them into our offices in Santa Clara, but now we would talk to them, you know, over something like Zoom. So we had a lot to think about on that front. How would a salesperson engage? Uh, when they could no longer go visit a customer. So there's a lot to do and to think about, but honestly our business really didn't miss a beat and and it didn't miss a beat while we became more efficient. Meaning, we spent a lot less on travel and uh, and expense, you know, way, way, way down. Our CFO was delighted, you know, uh, uh, ultimately our real estate costs have come down all while our revenues and our top line uh, have continued to grow. So, um, you know, I think for our type of business, It was less of a leap than it would be for a company that's in the manufacturing sector and you couldn't have your workers physically there to build things or in retail or the restaurant industry or who knows. Right. Like I think there are many industries that had it tougher than Cloudera. For me personally, I'd say I made it through the first the first three to four months was kind of novel. Um, my family got to actually see my face again. i had been traveling for 30 some odd years, mostly gone. And so we all had to kind of get to know each other a little bit again in a new way and spend more time uh, together. We had to figure out schedules and timelines for when people could be around and making noise or not and all that kind of stuff. But I'd say maybe somewhere between three and six months, the novelty wore off, and and it was very hard on me personally. Um, at being an extrovert, that gets so much from my engagement with other human beings, I, I was missing that. It was hard on me, and I wouldn't quite go so far to say it's like I it, I, I got depressed, but it. It was difficult. It was difficult to, um, to, to get up and do the same thing every day. I was used to so much more variety in each and every day than I found that I had working from a home office. So as I shared with you earlier in the call, I had to introduce the variety in my own, uh, in my own way. Um, and I had to deviate from, the standard pattern that I had every day to keep me engaged and energetic and excited about doing my job. And somewhere between the six to 12 month range, I figured out how to do that. And now I'm a pro. So, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm comfortable with all the changes. I'd still love to see my people much more often than I am. I think I'm a more effective leader when I do have the face to face time, no doubt. Um, but, uh, I'm I'm better at it and uh much more comfortable with it than I was in the in those early dark days.
0: Well, oh, thank you for sharing that. I feel like so much of what we talk about is um how many introverts were like the beneficiaries of not having to be out there. But I feel like the extroverts are often ignored, right? Like they they, they like figure that no matter where you get dropped, you'll be fine because you can uh, strike up a conversation and draw energy. So that's that's really terrific insight. Um I did wanna to touch on one thing. That it, um, that I forgot to mention before, yeah. but being a B2B company and a lot of our listeners um, are very focused on social media and best practices, I, I'd love to know how you, and it could be changed it with the pandemic or just your approach in general to social media, knowing that you know you're not a strictly consumer brand and a lot of the same rules don't apply. Yes. Or do they? Like what's your what's your take on that?
1: I mean look, uh social is very, very important uh to us and we in particular, you know, I, I, I know uh it's sometimes useful for people to to name names. Look, we 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 put the bulk of our energy in LinkedIn. That's where our audience uh um, really spends a great deal of time, uh, even old guys like me, spend time on LinkedIn, whereas they may spend a little bit less time in other uh, social media channels. We certainly reach out through a variety of them, from Twitter to Facebook and Instagram and on down the line. Um, but we found LinkedIn has been a way to be more directive. Uh, with our message. LinkedIn Live has really been a great uh, tool for us to broadcast um, more of what we do through those same channels. So so having a kind of a video um, outlet through LinkedIn has proven to be a very successful channel for us. Uh, you know, we have a little over 100,000 followers at a company level. I've got about 6,000 of, of my own uh, personally. You start compounding that times other Cloudera executives and other folks. And it's it's not a very hard stretch to end up with a quarter million people interested in some way, shape or form in what it is that you've got to what it is that you've got to say. So, you know, as it relates to the, the different channels and, and options and alternatives, uh, we've been very, very happy with what we've done on that front.
0: Amazing! Thank you for sharing that. Um, and then, last one for you: if you could go back to yourself at the start of your career and offer one piece of critical life-changing advice, what would that advice be?
1: Wow, um, I would probably say the the single biggest one, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat and give a couple bonus. <laughs> but the single biggest one I would say is that. You're going to learn a lot more from your failures than you are from your successes, and I've been blessed to have lots of successes in my career, but I've learned infinitely more from the times when I've fallen down. And you know, the quality of your character is judged, you know, not by the failure itself, by but by how well you pick yourself up uh, after the failure. We all have them. Um, Sometimes you are to blame. Sometimes Circumstances were beyond your control. It doesn't really matter either way. You got to pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and move on to the next thing because they're they're going to happen. Uh, it's it's the nature of humanity, not to mention uh, business. And so, I, I think learning to do that effectively um, is critically important. And, and kind of on the heels of that, because they often go hand in hand, um, is to really embrace. Uh, change, get comfortable with it, turn it into an opportunity, turn it into a catapult for you while others are kind of grumbling around and wondering what the change means for them. You can be setting yourself apart and already moving ahead. And, you know, while I'm on my own, Oprah's Book Club moment from earlier, um, you know, one of the world's simplest books literally would take you 15 minutes to read is called Who Moved My Cheese? And, you know, I I couldn't recommend anything more highly than that because, you know, the mice that are willing to embrace the change, get, they reap the rewards. And those that kind of wait for the cheese to keep just magically showing up, don't do so well. And, you know, I think in everyone's career, they're gonna face changes again, those that they initiate, and those that are initiated for them. And if, if they can't get comfortable with change, they're really gonna struggle, especially in a decent sized corporation. Um, that, that that's just It's inevitable. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen more and more frequently than you could ever imagine. If you can embrace it and take advantage of it, you'll set yourself apart. So get up when you fall down and embrace change would be my, my two biggies there.
0: I love that. That's terrific. Well, we're going to hold it here, Mick. Thank you so much. It's terrific to chat with you and, and really look forward to hearing about you know all of the, uh, the great, exciting things that I know are coming.
1: You bet, Tanya. Thank you so much for spending the time uh, with me today.